This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Darlene Stromstad. Darlene is the CEO of the Mohawk Valley Health System. She's going to tell us about herself, about Mohawk Valley, federal competition strategy is evolving, and a little bit more. Darlene, can you take a moment to introduce yourself, tell us about you in the Mohawk Valley Health System? Yeah, my name is Darlene Stromstad, and for the last two and a half years, I've been the CEO of the Mohawk Valley Health System. And my career has been about the transformation of healthcare. So every organization I have led has been going through some transformation. And this is such a unique position because I am in this community where we have re- we are the result of the merger of three hospitals. The last two merged in 2014, and we are building a replacement hospital, thanks in part to a large grant from the state of New York. So there are not a lot of people who get to uh, build new hospitals in 2021, and that's what we're doing. Our hospital will be named the Wynn Hospital to honor a $50 million a gift from the Wynn Family Foundation, which we announced in March. At the same time, we're also developing a clinical campus, which will add five residency programs. And we are also going to be the site for third and fourth year med students from what we call LECOM, which is the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, which is one of the largest family practice medical schools in the country. So as you can imagine, this project is having a huge financial impact on the Mohawk Valley, particularly in downtown Utica, New York, where our new facility is going to be located. Well, well, how exciting. And and when you look at that context and the support from the Wynn family, the state of New York, how excited are you about the future and about what's going on at Mohawk Valley and the impact it will have on the community. I mean, it brings jobs, it strengthens the community, it does so many great things. How excited are you about the whole thing? Oh, I am so wildly excited about this. And we are finding it really easy, uh, really, this is an, uh, interesting, to recruit physicians and staff. The Mohawk Valley is in central New York between Albany and Syracuse. It is a beautiful part of the world near the Adirondack Mountains. So it's a very livable place and it's beautiful. And we're finding post-pandemic, people are really wanting a community of this size. And certainly having this 10-story building going up in downtown Utica, which will be the site of the new Wynn Hospital, and the development of this large residency program, uh, it's really enticing to people. So it's, it's such an honor to be here during this exciting time. At a time when there's these incredible shortages of physicians and quite frankly, residency programs, and it's so hard to get a medical school, and it's so hard to land residency programs. How happy are you to be part of the solution towards trying to solve that labor shortage? So it is really, that uh, makes me very happy, absolutely, and it makes the staff around me very happy too. We, like many places though, do uh, still have a shortage of nurses and are working very hard with our unions, with our staff, with our community to identify and bring in nurses, but also to grow our own through our, our own school of nursing. And how is competition and strategy evolving now into the pandemic, and what are you what are you looking at, and what do you think about what issues do you 
you know, so the, the competition is is interesting. I mean, it's always there in little ways with, you know, whether it's a walk-in centers or other, you know, small system, small organizations kind of whittling around the edges. But what I focus most on is what's happening in the market area and where we might be vulnerable. We are seeing increasing advertising from some of the larger sort of I would call them almost uh, quasi-national systems that might have a foothold in in New York State. But what we hear from our our own community is that they want us to be able to offer everything they need so they don't have to travel. So we, you know, we have an obligation to get this right for the community that we're serving. Um, this area was really hard hit during the pandemic. And I think that really drove an additional um, loyalty and response to our healthcare system because our staff really stepped up and, and took care of people in a very, very compassionate way. And uh, also we've been a hub hospital in the state of New York to distribute vaccines. And that has been an enormous amount of our work in the last few months. And between those two things, while you know the pandemic was really hard on our community, it did allow us to sort of do a reset, think about what's most important, and that's the patients, of course, that we serve. And I think there is an emotional connection that exists between us and the population that maybe wasn't here before the pandemic. Isn't that? It's interesting to think about that. But um, yeah, there is a. But isn't, there is, isn't that fascinating? How much tighter communities can become through a crisis and a challenge, particularly in the health system and its workforce and its nursing staff and its team steps yeah. up and takes care of the community like that. It really does breed a loyalty and so forth. You talked about out migration and the importance of building strength, and you didn't use these specialties specifically, whether it's orthopedics, oncology, cardiovascular care, and more and more, so people don't have to travel 50 to 100 miles for care. And how important is that to the health of the community and to recovery and so forth, that people can get care closer to home and have less out-migration? Yeah, it's absolutely true. And you know, that starts with the people and I'm, I'm just stating the obvious. It's, it's the building is beautiful and that, it, you know, gets a lot of attention as it, it continues to go up. But it is really about the people who are providing the care here. So we've made a very concerted effort to look at our priority product lines. We can't fix everything for everybody at the same time, but to really look at what our community needs us to do right and invest our time and effort in those specific product lines and to be able to uh, provide the, the, the care and the quality of the physicians and the support staff to really grow those programs. We uh, in the Mohawk Valley, Utica has been long-term a refugee site and has a lot of uh, immigrants and refugees that have moved to this area over the many years. And with that brings um, a lot of interesting uh, I would call it d disease categories and the healthcare needs, which makes this an interesting place to practice medicine. And therefore, it allows us to get access to some really top-notch physicians. Fascinating. And you had mentioned priority service lines. What are some of those priority service lines for a system like Mohawk Valley? So cardiac, stroke, uh, OBGYN, which is, you know, basic service and cancer care. Those are our top priorities for this year. 
Not that there Fantastic. aren't others that are important, but those are the ones we're really focusing on, making sure well, we it, have but, but it, everything. But it's very, very important to have clarity because no one can do everything. And right. so if you try and achieve greatness in core service lines, core areas, you do a great deal to serve the community. Darlene, what have I not asked you about that, that you'd like to tell us about that, that, that I should have asked you about? Um, I would just like to talk a little, just a couple minutes about the pandemic and what that has done to our community. I talked about the good news, but I will tell you, early on, the state of New York, as you know, shut things down really quickly and completely, and we all had to have surge plans. So at the same time that our our income was limited, we were also investing to make sure we had a surge plan to meet the state requirements. We were clearly facing financial ruin. It was a very uncertain time. This was before any of the CARES funds were released, and, and we were very concerned and very quickly looked at the amount of unemployment you could get from both the state and the federal to make sure that we could furlough staff really quickly without them losing their houses to keep ourselves out of financial ruin. And we did that and made some tough decisions, but we were able to build a very solid financial uh, foundation, I would say. And then we had to COVID patients. And we were thinking, this is over. And then we start noticing that there are house parties and Halloween parties, and we're approaching Thanksgiving. And we thought, oh, boy, oh, boy, you know, we're going to we're going to see the numbers rise. And we did. At one point, we had more COVID patients in our hospitals than we had regular patients. At the same time, we had a lot of exposures and a lot of people that were testing positive. And it was an, a very, very trying time over, and this is like during the holiday time. And at the same time, that's when the vaccines became available. So we also, as a hub hospital, needed to start the vaccine. It was a really stressful time. And this organization and the staff that come with this organization, these people stepped up with their heads high, their hearts in it. They did everything they could to take care of this community. Really, really think, remarkable. And when you think about that, Darlene, the remarkable performance of your people, any lessons that you learned through the pandemic that, that you know, I mean, you acted quickly, but safely to make sure people had benefits and could, could be okay through furloughs. You also responded quickly with, you know, in, in dealing with the growth of COVID, you saw what was going on. Any life lessons or lessons you learned through the pandemic? Yeah, I think the biggest lesson we learned here was that while we were following the directives to furlough staff and to stay in our offices and not wander people around, and we put in guidelines about you can't go from somebody else's unit to another unit unless you have a, you know, a medical reason to be there. So we were very concerned about safety. And in so doing, we ourselves as people were not as available out on the units with the frontline staff as we should have been. We did telephone, you know, calls. We had lots of newsletters, posters, et cetera, et cetera. And we tried to communicate frequently as much as possible and in very defined ways. But we as human beings were not as visible to our staff as we needed to be. And that is the lesson. You got to be there. You got to be there yourself and in front of them. 
and make sure they know that you are supporting them. Darlene, what a pleasure to get a chance to visit with you today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. And what a remarkable past year and set of experiences. And thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Good to talk to you. And uh, may we not have to repeat last year ever. Let's hope not. It's great to visit with you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye.